0: What's going on, citizens? My name is Matt Shotcha, and I'm crawling over the cat five wires of Creep City to bring you this Radio for the Creeps bonus episode. Radio for the Creeps is going to be covering a topic that should be kind of fun for all of us stuck in quarantine, stuck inside, and not being able to go on actual vacations. We're talking about vacations gone wrong. Now... We've all been stuck inside with this outbreak, uh, this this pandemic, not able to leave the house, not able to see the strange and exotic places. So why don't we watch some people have some horrible experiences in those strange and exotic places? I figure that's the best way to kind of satiate our revenge needs. Uh, I'm joined today by two people that are very important to me, two very close friends of mine, as well as co-workers. Uh, I'm joined by Mel and Dan Nixon. Now, uh, I'm going to let them in, do a little introduction for themselves before we get rolling on this episode. Let's start with Mel.
1: Hey, um, I'm Mel. I work with Matt and Dan at Gunn, and I am uh, pretty well-versed in customer service, but I went to school originally for anthropology, so whenever I watch horror films or think about vacationing i always kind of go back to those roots and get really interested in the special nuances that we have with fear and otherness that we see out there so i'm really excited to talk about these things today
2: she's gonna make me sound bad man (laughs) i'm just like i
0: didn't go to college for this but i i know things too (laughs)
2: i'm dan i work a gun I do communications and marketing. You can't tell that I do communications because I always suck at communicating on podcasts.
0: <laughs> Dan Dan has a habit of underplaying his role on podcasts. When we talked about this episode, I was like, well, I want to have Mel on. Mel is an anthropologist. Mel knows these things. Mel, Mel is the person you watch a movie with, and she goes, oh, oh, oh. And you're just like, oh, okay, we we got a Mel moment. Let's go. And it's always something having to do with an angle of the film that I... like those days in the community room putting horror movies on, I, there were a lot of things I don't always pick up on. And I always appreciated when Mel takes a note of that, Dan, Dan is like a connoisseur of criticizing the dumb shit people do on these vacations. And I, I really cannot wait to hear this because I know that Dan watched the, we, we had three main films for the episode, right? Uh, I told them we wanted to talk about vacations gone wrong. And in my humble opinion, Three, three that fit the theme best was Hostile, The Ruins, and quite possibly the great white shark of like xenophobic moron movies, Taristas. Now it's a good movie, don't get me wrong. I enjoy Taristas, but much like I enjoy a lot of horror films, there's huge caveats that go along with my enjoyment of Taristas. And um, I think what we're going to probably do is save that bit for the end of the episode because i anticipate that being the longest segment but uh yeah so I, I rewatched these movies and dan i know you had to pick up some moments of well what the fuck why is he doing that uh how was your your revisit of these films i know Hostel hit you a little different than uh, it first did
2: yeah like i first watched Hostel in i think 2008 or 2009 um and at the time i was like yeah that's that's a movie and I went back to watch it. I was just like, wow, there's not actually a lot of, of movie in this movie.
0: Um, is it okay if I share what you slacked me on, on the, the, like the top level Dan look of hostile Dan was like, it's a quarter bo- It's a no, I'm sorry. It's a third, uh, you know, bully American boobs. And then it's <laughs> a third of like horrible gore and violence. And then it's a th- wait, I can't even remember what the other third was, but
2: actually it was, he- it was just, it, it's 50% boobs and then 50% just <laughs> murder for the sake of murder.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Mel, um, I know that probably, I'm I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb, but probably The Ruins was the one that hit you the most. Um, what What was your takeaway from the three films that you watched? You, you know, the one that really stuck out.
1: Um, so I'd seen Hostel before, and it's, it's one of my more um, enjoyed movies, I guess, um, just because I'm familiar with it. But um, the ruins I'd never seen before. Um, And so that and the supernatural take that it had on the ruins and like sacrifice and things like that really is kind of what tipped it off for me as out of the three. That was my favorite.
0: I had a feeling um, I I was like, this is a Mel movie. This is right up up Mel's alley because, you know, it's especially the part when. All right. Let's get this out of the way now. There's going to be spoilers in this, but these movies are from like (laughs) the early 2000s. If you didn't watch them yet, then like, what the fuck are you even doing with your life? Go watch these movies. Like, I don't know how you would miss them for this long, and then be like, I really need to see that. So, the only way is if you had somehow never heard of one of these three horror films. And to account for that, we're going to let you know right now that there's going to be spoilers for Teristas, The Ruins, and Hostel. So if you are like oh my God, I didn't even know that was a movie. I like to see white people get murdered. Um, take a break from the podcast now and check them out and then come back and revisit it because I guarantee it's going to be a good talk. So, uh, for me, you know, I, I appreciate Teresa's the most out of the three, mainly because as problematic, and believe me, it's, in my opinion, uh, you know, problematic as hell, Um I have a hard time watching it because the whole time I'm, I'm thinking like, well, what the fuck? That's that's trash, that's garbage, you know, but it does a good job of being horrific. It kind of plays on one of the like old urban legends of, you know, kidney thievery and things like that. Um, I find it a really interesting movie. Um, the close second would be Ruins for me. They're very close, the two of them. And that's because while Terista's is like the... It's like the fucking jaws of problematic, you know, Stranger in a Strange Land, Fear of the Unknown films. It um it, it it's those problematic sides are hard to ignore. In the Ruins, it's a little different. It's there's there's problematic sides to it, but not quite like on the nose as Teristas. And the Ruins also has a really wonderful like like you said, Mel, supernatural kind of vibe to it. The moment the plants, the ivy in the ruins, starts mimicking the cell phone ring, I'm uh-huh. like, oh, we have a whole other thing going on here.
1: That was my moment in the film. That, I, I saw, yeah, like I saw it and then instantly was just like, oh, yeah, this is a good movie.
0: Yeah. It uh, pissed
2: I, me off, man. Not am like, an, I'm <laughs> mad at this movie way, but like these fucking plants.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like- yeah. And, and to see the little flower the like pistol on the little flower like vibrating and making the sound and then later the um amy character she's screaming and she you know she thinks her boyfriend is fooling around with the other girl she's basically in a hysteria moment brought mm-hmm. on probably by a high fever and infection but um she starts like really kind of freaking out and as she's screaming louder and louder you hear the plants start screaming like her and i'm like oh they're taunting you you know like i loved it i i love that movie um you know there's again there's a, a problematic side to it so let's uh let's start at the fair beginning let's talk about the concept of it it's a common fear for a lot of people you know going to a strange place you're not accustomed i mean how many how many american travelers talk about or or you know americans who maybe don't travel that much talk about oh well i would just be so afraid like i don't know how to get around i don't know where to go i don't know how to this that I personally wasn't born with that bone in my body. I, I, and it's not like a. I'm just such a noble white knight, you know. It's more like I, I am along for the ride. I'm in for the adventure, and I kind of get. I, I, I'm okay with being uncomfortable in these situations. But it's not an uncommon thing for people to be like, well, you know, how do you travel abroad and not know where anything is, not know how to get around? And I think that for horror to try to capitalize on those fears is natural but then there's always that line that that one step too far where it becomes the locals are the big bad and the the white americans are are under distress you know what i mean uh there's a lot there i mean it it sounds inherently xenophobic but i was wondering if you guys had thoughts on that whole kind of angle of it am i overthinking it or is it is it just a matter of hey, we had a really dark time where we were like, everybody wants to hurt us, especially people in other nations, you know, like...
2: I think you hit the nail on the head, especially with uh, Teresa's. Like, almost from the beginning, it's it's everybody, this whole town knows what's going on, the whole town's, like, benefiting from what's going on, and everybody's basically out to get them. Um, The ruins, like, I don't know, I see it a little bit differently, because it's... It's like a little Mayan village that surrounds right. this ruin, and if anybody spoke Mayan, the whole yeah. thing would have been like, "Hey, dudes, don't go up on the fucking thing. Don't touch. Don't <laughs> touch that you do, ivy." Don't touch the plant. <laughs> um, and you know, shit starts going downhill because they they do they they crush some of the ivy, and then the Mayan villagers are like, "You ain't leaving." but the white people who only speak English have no idea what's going on. Right.
0: They, they suddenly feel like they've been held captive now when really it's a matter of quarantine, which is actually was a line that I thought that stuck out to me when they're on top of the temple and they're like, we're being quarantined here. I was like, wait, what (laughs) like peaked my, like I'm stuck inside too. You're stuck outside. But, um, I thought it was clever, but, um, there's a moment where they're all stuck on the top of that temple and the the folks at the bottom are holding them there. And there's a moment where they're stuck on the top of the temple and the, the local people down below are, are kind of keeping them there. And there's definitely a a moment where the movie becomes kind of self-aware and recognizes that, you know, it, it, it shifts from the people down there holding us up here and shooting people are bad to, they're keeping us in because we made a dumb mistake you know um mel uh i know you have tons of thoughts on the ruins um yeah I, 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 mel is just too polite she's like i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not I gonna jump wanna, in
1: yeah i don't want to cut anybody off but um, oh no, you
0: you cut us off cut but us off
1: uh, yeah definitely there's definitely a lot like a big theme of like xenoph- xenophobia Otherness, um, cultural ignorance overall like with, with each of these movies. And The Ruins does hit a lot differently than like Therese does. And I think that's part of why I enjoyed it more. Because the movie kind of becomes more aware of itself as you go through with the tourists. Like in whatever they're dealing with. You are sitting there thinking, okay, you have these two groups of people. One group knows what's going on. The other group thinks they know, but then we find out about like the supernatural element that comes with the vines. And then it starts to become, oh, it's not it's not the people that you have to worry about. Right. And um, you see that these people are basically protecting everyone else by keeping them there. And that quarantine moment was kind of like the nail on the head for me in the movie because I like that it took a different spin. Yeah. Than saying that, like, the locals were the bad. Um, right. It kind of had, like, a different narrative that it was pushing with the fear than the other movies did. Um, and so that kind of is why I leaned in more with that one. Um, yeah. I also just liked how it kind of harks back to the mythos that we currently have with, like, torture and um, sacrifice from ancient, like, pre Columbian cultures and things like that. And I was really, really hoping that they stayed away from some like misconceptions and they did and they did it in a really great way by bringing in this supernatural vine creature that could mimic sound it just it played out really well with the fear aspect of it because it kept the unknown away from trickier subjects that yeah. shouldn't be that the blame shouldn't be placed on if that makes sense
0: absolutely you could have that fear of the unknown then and have it pinned onto a supernatural force instead of like just the local culture or, mm-hmm. or town or village or whatever the case like definitely you know, one of the things i found really interesting about the three movies when watched back to back to back they each play into the theme a little differently teresa is again i leave for last but hostile is the um kind of brazen need to be out there and and as Dan said it's just like bullish Americans that are just partying and being goony you know and um, you know the attention that that draws and stuff like that it takes dark turns there's problematic and xenophobic and there's all kinds of you know subtext there that's really kind of an issue you know don't get me wrong I'm not saying it's this one's a-okay you know but the main note in that one that plays into this is how um abrasive the folks are in the beginning of the film and it's almost as if in hostile the abrasiveness of the traveling group is matched tit for tat with the violence they face at the hands of the you know the folks trying to hurt them so it's you know it, it kind of checks that box with the ruins it tries to do a decent job of steering clear of some of those tropey kind of problematic things where you know villagers are the big bad or whatever the as mel more uh eloquently put now in Teristas, it's just like we don't have to try to avoid anything let's just be you know like let's just show our whole ass in this in this recording and uh they do it you know um so I think there's really interesting gradients here. And again, trying to keep Therese because I joke around and call it like the jaws of these terrible movies, but it, it's not even, it's not even that it's just like, it was kind of like, you know, if if all of the rest of these movies, are you twisting the cork on a bottle of champagne? Teristas is when it finally shoots off and breaks the light. You know what I mean? Like it's the, it's like the, you can't turn back from here moment, you know? Um, so getting back to Hostel, though, uh, one of the, the core elements here is, you know, in order to build that sense of, you know, stranger in a strange land, there's, there's a couple of different roles that a lot of the characters play. I think it's really el- illustrated well in Teresa's, whereas in Hostel, they're all kind of across the board, kind of brash uh dan i know you had some thoughts on the the beginning of hostile uh i'd love to hear from you on just the character the look and feel of the character being you know the i'm the american you know like pizza and burgers abroad you know that guy
2: yeah i think uh like i was telling you earlier within five minutes of meeting um paxton and josh and Oli, i was rooting against them like they're just they're Assholes in every interaction that they're involved in, and it doesn't ever get better in the movie. It's yeah. just like the characters that you're showing me that are are going through a lot of shit right now are terrible people. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and yeah, I'm gonna do, do from the very beginning until the very end. Um, spoiler: Paxton's the only one <laughs> that makes it out. Um. But Paxton's like the worst person. Yeah. Uh, There's a, no, a
0: not, of, not a lot of redemption.
2: <laughs> yeah, like a couple of his friends get killed and stuff's going down. Um, and, and, you know, he knows that these people that he knows are dead. And instead of just trying to get out, he, he continuously makes things more difficult for himself by killing literally everybody that he comes up against. Like the blood count or the, the body count at the end of that movie has Paxton at the top. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, this is, this is the hero type character. This is, this is the final girl. (laughs) Like, what are we, what are we doing here? He's worse than anybody else.
0: And they don't even do a good job of it. Like in, okay. So like in cannibal Holocaust, I fucking, I bring this movie up way too much and it's a curse. So this episode's probably going to tank now because I mentioned cannibal Holocaust, but in cannibal Holocaust, they know that everybody's going to be rooting against the journalists, right? So they really lean into how asinine the journalists are, how fucked up they are, how basically just terrible people they are. So that when they ev- eventually meet their, you know, their reckoning kind of um, at the hands of the locals, um, you're, you're kind of happy with that fact in hostile, I don't know. They didn't do a very good job of like, because again, you know, like at the end of it, they were the heroes. They weren't the antiheroes. They weren't the, you know, the hero that you want to see die. And then the the film gives you that payoff. Like he makes it out and you're kind of like, kind of wish you croaked over there. Like you're a little bit of a dick, you know?
2: Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Is it bad to spend like twenty five thousand dollars to kill somebody? Of, of course it is.
0: Absolutely. Is
2: right. it wrong to throw a bag of candy at children so that they will in turn murder a couple people? This it's pretty bad, man. Yeah. Like, right. Like you, you're you're not balancing it out by doing something good. You're just everybody's breaking the scales by being shitty people.
1: I think that's part of why I really like Hostel. Like from the very beginning, the very first time I watched it, and then rewatching it, I kind of noticed that everybody in that film is portrayed towards the stereotype, the most negative stereotype that somebody else could have with them. The obnoxious Americans who say, I'm an American, I got rights, as they get thrown out of a club, when they're in another country, all the way to the folks that they're staying with, the, you know, these hostels. Um, the first one they stayed at wasn't like the Ritz or anything, but then they go to this one and it's, you know beautiful with beautiful women and that's all they really are looking for women and drugs and so it kind of just plays into the the things that people do that we know are bad and we know that there are people that do that but it just kind of shows them like in yeah. like a gritty way to where it's like I'm supposed to root for this person because this person is more like me but I can't because they're right. bad and right. so it kind of just like rips open like the stereotypes and the truth behind the stereotypes and all that kind of just meshes in there so that when you're sitting there watching it as as entertainment like you're conflicted and i think that's part of why the gore was such a big deal in the film is because it contrasts with those heavy stereotypes so well
2: that's super heady and very good points (laughs) but they were all just assholes and i wanted them to die
0: like,
1: yes yes
0: <laughs> i think to mel's point that was the goal of the character building was that you know you like and it's an interesting take it's it's one that i i have to admit i didn't necessarily explore myself watching it because i think i couldn't get past the fuck and kill these kids already you know what <laughs> i mean like but um there is a bit of like a de-evolution kind of theme to it where it's you know, oh, these people are killing people and, and like harming them for fun, for shits and giggles. And the the way everybody kind of around the situation, everybody close to that core situation, which is the torture, uh, like devolves. Yeah, that's the word, devolves into like a similar thing: the throwing the candy to the kids to you know, you know, murder of their own. You know, and and some of the ways they accomplish that murder in the film. Definitely kind of lends to like a fire with fire kind of de-evolution of everyone around the violence, right? But by the same note, um, it's just hard to root for anybody, especially when you're watching these films. Because again, preparing for an episode... It's like you you know what the topic is, you know what I mean, so pre- yep. preparing for this episode, it's hard to watch it and not just be like they fucking deserve everything they get. They are like a terrible example of Americans abroad, like I've traveled, and I managed to not be that much of an asshole, you know like um, but there's another element there that I may be reading too much into, but I'm really curious you guys' thoughts the the whole idea of the the candy to the kids so that they go and murder. Immediately when I watched it, and I, again, I may be like holding way too much of a microscope here, but uh, I, I took it as like a manipulation of local culture and local people. You know, um, There's also, in my opinion, a subtle note of capitalism, like the guy throws the candy to the kids, the kid, like the guy is willing to just, you know, I mean, he would just throw away candy and the kids scamper to try, try to like claw to pick it all up because to them it's practically currency and they're willing to go kill for it, and here's this American dude who's just like, candy, you know, like, there's a note there. I I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too much about it, but there's a note there about, um, you know, kind of the, uh, I'm the big American, I got enough candy to spare. Here, take some, go take care of my light work, you know, like that kind of, I don't know, manipulation of the local people. I mean, it's definitely a good
2: analogy. Yeah, right? Yeah, he he has an access to something he doesn't want. They don't have it, they... "Quote unquote," need it, um, yeah. It's a lot like it, it, it's the same as what you see in a lot of other films, where you know, where whether it's money to people in the village so they can live, and you know, this group can murder people, um, right? You know, you see it a lot in especially these types of movies. But dang it, I I, I didn't really enjoy Hostel. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: but we hey, but one it, it has me ain't bad.
2: It has. Mel's making good points. You're making good points. And honestly, when I watched the films, I was just watching them to see what dumb stuff people did.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like
2: just backwards-ass things that didn't help them.
0: Um, I, I know you, you had some takeaways from Hostel on the, like, here's how this could have went differently for you. Um, you, can, you I would love to hear some of them if you want to fill us in a bit.
2: Um, I think most of those were actually Teresa's.
0: Yeah, well, Teresa this is a movie full of bad decisions. I didn't
2: didn't have as much in Hostel. Yeah,
0: other than just like your overall persona. Just don't do any of that.
2: Well, yeah, like everything Pax did after the first half of the movie was, it was basically just out of his way to be as violent as he could. It's like, this is the guy that we're supposed to be rooting for against those doing violence, and he's doing more. Right, like even when he gets away, he goes after um, I don't remember the character's name, so I'm just gonna call him Mr. Meat Salad Fingers.
0: <laughs> Meat Salad Fingers, yes. Like <clears throat>
2: Paxton's done. He's he's away. He's fine. You know, he's he's out of the situation. But he randomly sees a guy in the bathroom and he chops off his fingers and then slits his throat. And it's like, okay, um, <laughs> just right. another freaking edge on that belt of murder bro like what are you doing and
0: and i feel like people miss that they watch it and they go yeah get him back for what he did to you and it's like no because that's the fire with fire thing that's the like you know i i don't know the most layman's terms to put it in is sinking to their level you know is saying like you brutalized me so i'm gonna brutalize you and i don't know not that i'm like mother Teresa over here or anything but like yeah i think that that cruises right by a lot of people, and they just kind of go, "Yeah, get him." You know, well, I mean, it's like, "No, <laughs> yeah, let's
2: look at his body count." He kills like what three people in the hostel. The person that is trying to kill him, um, the guy who, no, because the guy who kills Josh is the one he kills at the end. Um, he kills like the guy that's burning bodies, mm-hmm. and then he he kills um, the guy that is going to kill Kana. Mm-hmm. So he's at like either three or four now, and then he's out. He's, he's away a bit. And he sees and runs over those two girls that they meet in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, doesn't kill the second one. The people following him does, I guess. But still. Then he has the people that are killed by the kids. So we're at like, what, at, at least six now?
0: Yeah, somewhere around six. I mean, there's some gray areas in there. But and around then, six.
2: And then we get to uh, like the train at the end. And one more. This dude has the highest body count in the movie, not even if even. you add up all the other death, this guy's doubled it.
0: Yeah.
2: And it's, yeah. it's like, you're not. I don't know. He, he's not the hero. Like, I, I couldn't no. root for him at all. I'm just like, dude, I, I've seen this movie, but I still hope that somehow they've gone back in time and edited it to where you don't make it out. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, get out while the getting's good. Like, don't. Right. I- there's no reason for you to go back at this point because everyone's been paid off. You need to get the hell out of there and maybe think about
2: yourself a little bit. Like your, your number one goal is get, get out. Like, you know, your friends are dead. Just get out.
0: But instead he goes back in to put murder icing on the murder cake. I mean, he does,
2: he does go help or go back to help uh, Kana who, you know, I, I understand the headspace that she's in when she steps in front of a train, but yeah,
1: yeah, I feel like that's the only redeeming quality that he had. The fact that he went back for her.
2: But did he go back for her or did he go back to do more murder?
1: True. Because mm. he was kind of in that moment where he I'm, was kind of bloodlusty.
2: I feel like.
0: Bloodlusty. You know, <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
2: you know, all these other people that are paying this company to murder somebody, they're like, I want to dabble in murder. This dude doesn't dabble.
0: No, he this dives like, head
2: first. Yeah. And he's like, yep. I'm swimming the freaking 800 right. meter relay by myself in murder.
0: Right, one 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 bad experience on a vacation, and suddenly you're like, you know, you're the CEO of Murder Incorporated. He's got slavery, a bigger
2: but, body count than Hannibal Lecter.
0: Right, that's amazing. I um, you know, I think that the anti-hero hero angle of it is tricky in this one because if he's supposed to be the anti-hero, then he's, you know, supposed to be portrayed as the bad, but he's not. He's portrayed as the good. And if he's portrayed as the good, he basically goes to an, another place, he he acts a fool, he ends up in a bad situation, he kills a whole shitload of people, as, as Dan just uh, ticked off one by one. And at the end of the movie, you're not left with vindication for what's happened or anything, all you're left with is you've watched this person survive this horrible thing and be almost as bad as his captors at one point. And... Um, you know, it doesn't really go anywhere for me. And I think that's the problem I have with all of the violence, and everything in Hostel. outside of just like, I mean, I love gory movies. I, I know you two know that I'm a huge fan of gore and film, but in this one, it, it, it kind of like, I don't know. It, it feels a little bit rudderless ship to me, but, uh, moving on from, from our vacation, our, our murder tour of, <laughs> you know, Eastern Bloc. Um, we, we head to the ruins. Now, one of the things that I found really interesting about this movie is the characters, while they're on vacation, they're not the normal abrasive characters in the, the first act of the film. Normally, it's almost become commonplace in these kind of films to have the trope of like, we're going to drink too much and do dumb shit and piss off people. And then they're, you know, then it's like cut away to like a, a, a local, uh, you know, a person local to the area that they're in kind of giving them the side eye from across the room and you're like, something is amiss. You know what I mean? And it's like, they all follow that same process. You know, we had a few too many drinks. I broke a chair at uh, so-and-so's bar and now I'm getting dirty looks from some of the locals, you know, Um, and you know something bad's coming. The thing in the ruins, I I think that Mel really kind of nailed it earlier when she said that by making it about this kind of supernatural plant they remove that human element from it you know um there's ominous notes about oh we're going to go check out the ruins and this that you know um so there's some allusion to the idea that there's a big bad out there and that maybe this is a wrong turn but it doesn't feel as like the other two films are like willingly jumping in both feet to a wrong turn where you watch it and you're just like why would you do that why would you be that way why are you doing this you know in the ruins it feels a little more innocent in its kind of um, approach to the horror. What are your uh, thoughts on that one, Mel?
1: I feel like The Ruins um, doesn't... So all the films have like an element of exploitation in it, like you touched on with um, the kid gang and the murder. But The Ruins, the exploitation is very different that you see because these people are just hanging out at like a pool when they're, you know... Approached by someone to discuss the fact that hey, there's this Mayan archaeological dig going on, and my brother's there. Maybe we should go. And you think, well, first off, you don't know this dude, but okay, yeah, that's that's a that's a vacation. That is a vacation that people will go do.
0: Right, and I'm sorry to jump in here, but it's very innocent. It's not like we're going to go over there and poke things with a stick, or we're going to go over there and try and steal shit. You know, it's very innocent, and it is like you said. You, again perfectly said it's a very vacation thing to do let's leave the resort like we don't have to go to mexico to go to applebee's you know like we can leave the resort and go check out some of the things so yeah
2: it's like one of the main things people do on vacations you know you, you go to this place not just to get away from you know either whatever's going on in your life or to go somewhere and have fun but to, to get some experience from like the local culture um, right and the ruins like it the setup for it it was the best one in my opinion cuz they you know it's a, it's a group of people yeah they're getting drunk at the pool um hanging out on the beach but they have a chance to go see these ruins that you know the way it's talked about there aren't a lot of people there so they can go see it without a bunch of other people around and you know get a more personal experience with that culture
0: right so in a way they're doing the right thing you know they're they're Hey, some history from some local history, some local culture, let's experience it. You know, it doesn't go well for them, but.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it starts off with the whole innocent, you know, we're going to go check this out. But then you start to get that element of, oh, maybe they shouldn't be doing this first with the taxi driver. And then as the, the, the further along that they get, like as they trek through the woods, when they see the children, like all those are those subtle warnings that maybe they should be paying attention To what the people say rather than this other touristy guy that's making it seem like everything's all good.
0: The taxi driver was the moment where it was like, hey, white kids, pull your heads out of your ass long enough to see the light of day. When a taxi driver says, no, I won't go there and you have to give him hundreds of dollars, maybe just don't go there, you know.
1: Or ask him why not. Like, have a conversation with these people. That's something that drove me crazy with all of these films was why are you not treating people like people?
0: that's very true you know there's a lot of that like nip it in the bud here's some money because i'm american and have tons of it you know or like whatever the you know I, I granted it wasn't an american kid who paid him off a whole shitload of money but still the yeah. idea of like why don't you dig deeper why is everything surface level with you like I, I don't know like is your vacation really that is your itinerary really that like time pressed where you don't have time to just be like hey so uh maybe why do you not want to take us to these ruins are we gonna die you know like that's <laughs> Yeah. That's like four words. Are we gonna die? Like you could have got it a
2: totally valid first question for any conversation.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, when he goes, No, I I totally won't go there, my first words would be like, Will we die? You know, like I could even keep it to three words, will we die?
1: Yeah, because you know, if if the people if the host community won't go somewhere, maybe you shouldn't go too.
0: Like Yeah, like they fucking live there and they don't want to go there, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, it would be like, uh, oh shit, why not, man?
1: Yeah, it's not like but, it's yeah. boring. It's it, there's something else happening.
0: <laughs> right. But I mean that's
2: it, it's we're getting into a point that's like overarching over all three of these movies which is you know the the American kids do what the American kids want to do. Yeah. Um to Right. <laughs> to their um you know eventual demise for the most part.
0: Right. That's I, I mean <clears throat> that's really the common theme, right? Hey, Americans abroad, you just do whatever you want. You just go wherever you want, act however you want, blah, 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 blah. And then we're supposed to feel bad when you're getting murdered by a plant, you know? But
1: Yeah, it was easier for me to kind of be like, oh, this sucks for for the tourists in the ruins because they hadn't committed some sort of egregious crime in the beginning. I mean, let's
2: be fair. They're not good people. (laughs) (laughs) No. I mean.
1: You shouldn't take pictures of children without permission. That's weird.
2: That's yeah, Teresa's and, you know, and we have we have lots to talk about. No, with they them. did it
1: they did it in <laughs> they did the it ruins, in ruins too. too, Dan. It was the first yeah. thing I noticed. What did I, miss? I watched I Teresa's first and the first note that I took with the ruins was, really? More photos? How much more ruder can you get?
0: <laughs> yes. If, like if some weird traveler was taking pictures of my kid, I'd be like, Yo, you could stop that. You know, like you cannot do that. Yeah, and- they do it um. Dan, the the taxi driver takes him to the trail, and then there's the two kids up like on the top. I think it's a waterfall, right, Mel?
1: Yeah, um, it's it's definitely like the Amazonian jungle is what it looks like, but
0: uh, it's yes. <laughs> so there's two kids up there, and and the one girl, who she's obnoxious as hell. I'm uh-huh. sorry, she her and her boyfriend are both obnoxious for different reasons. We'll get into it, but she's obnoxious as hell. And interesting note, she is the only one who gets kind of too drunk on the beach in the the prior scene. And as you see her like, I, what, who wants to dance with me on the beach like that? You know, like right then and there, I was like, they're going to do some dumb shit and get themselves into trouble. And they actually don't. They actually steer away from that kind of uh, trope of like, we're drinking on the beach and now we're going to break something or be jerks, you know, whatever. And they, they, like, take a hard turn and get away from it, which I thought was pretty interesting. But she's still obnoxious as hell, and so is her boyfriend, doctor man. Oh. But <laughs> they, they get dropped off, and obnoxious girl is like, hey, look, some random kids. I'm going to take their picture. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What the fuck, man? Like, stop taking pictures of the kids. Like, you're not shopping. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah.
2: Tourists, quit taking pictures of children without parental
0: permission.
1: Yeah, it's like, these are yeah. people. They're not, right. like... They're not like a pretty flower on a trail. Right.
0: Right. The idea, though, Americans abroad, everything is a prop. Mm-hmm. Everything is, uh, you know, part of their vacation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so. I and
2: mean, maybe the one in Teresa uh, stood out so much more to me because she was like a foot away from this kid.
0: Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's just like picture
2: in. after after picture. And the, the person we assume is, is the kid's dad is like basically get the fuck away. And then everybody gets mad at this dude. And it's like, no, assholes.
0: Yeah,
1: it's like you yeah. cross the line.
2: Yeah, you're the ones in the wrong,
0: right? Oh man, I can't wait to get into Teresa's so. <laughs> Oh <laughs> but, boy,
1: but yeah the fo- the photo taking was the first time that I was like really thinking, okay, yeah, they're not yeah. they're not respecting this area like they should. They're gonna do something dumb, like well, really I mean,
0: dumb. The photo taking definitely um, to me, where it crossed the line was actually not too long after and still very early in the film. As soon as they encounter the guys who ride up on horseback and there's an obvious language barrier there. I mean, maybe it's because like, you know, I'm in community. You guys, you guys are in of the same ilk as me. So maybe you'll see this, uh, my way, but there is zero zero de-escalation that takes place there. like, <laughs> People show up and they don't speak the same language as you and they are obviously very heated about something and all you're doing is yelling back at them in American, in English rather. You know, like that is, you have poor people skills. You know, like this guy just rode out of the jungle on a horse and he's screaming something at you. I don't care what language it is in. I'm going to freeze and be like, bruh, I need to understand you. You know what I mean? Not yell at you in in English. You know what I mean? To be fair,
2: I think at one point, does not don't, uh, like, one of the people on their, their team, Team America, um, <laughs> tries speaking in Spanish to him.
0: He attempts it poorly. Yeah, um, and then
1: someone says they don't speak Spanish, and none of them quite realize what they speak, but they know that no right. one can talk to him.
2: And then it, then it goes downhill pretty he fast. Like, we're, we're I mean, talking within, like, five, ten minutes of them showing up. What, Dimitri or whatever his name is? Um, yeah, the oh, guy yeah. that was dead. looking for his brother. Yeah,
0: like um, no, no. The guy looking for his brother was uh, Matthias. He was looking for Heinrich, the German kid. But the dude who got them there, the one drawing the map for Mm, his drunk friends on the beach, he's dead right away. I mean, now call me crazy. This might be me sitting here thinking that I'm just smarter. But if I if I walked up there, if I was like, "We're going to go see some ruins. Let's go check out some ruins." a bunch of dudes rode horses out of the jungle to yell at me i'd be like we're not seeing ruins today fuck it we're going back to the resort yep. we're going to get some quesadillas and some beers and we're just going to fly home tomorrow and we're all going to live you know what i mean i'd be like i'm not going up
2: there i would pantomime just pointing my finger back towards the path shaking my head up and down like yes and then giving a thumbs up
0: yeah you got it Chief. Um, that way <laughs>
2: yes yes oh, okay we're no right. ruins. <laughs> Let's
0: yeah. There. Could you maybe give me a ride on your horse? No? Okay, cool. I'm out. You know, like, there's other things to do.
2: We're going to so. eat at the Fuddruckers in the hotel lobby.
0: There's something here, and I don't mean this insulting. I mean, if anything, it's I'm calling myself more of a chicken shit, but I feel like Mel would be inquisitive enough to still want <laughs> to see the ruins. Mel, am I wrong there? Or would you, would you still be like, hey, man, it's cool, but, like, I really dig this shit, so I'm going up that temple.
1: So... Here's the thing: I would want to, <laughs> right. but I know well enough to leave well enough alone. You don't walk up their steps. You don't go up yeah. there. If the locals tell you no, you don't do it. Yeah, um, yep. that's just kind of how it is. Like as much like as curious as I could possibly be, I wouldn't want to like desecrate someone's history that way. So right. it w- it would be hard. But I would still right. go. I would still scurry off right along with you guys right. because right, I'm not maybe muttering that line.
0: about yeah, maybe muttering about <laughs> how cool it would have been. But yeah, yeah, like kicking no, some
1: stones and been like, well, at least I got <laughs> some cool pictures.
0: Right, took a picture of those kids at the waterfall. That'll sell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: I mean, gross. my first thought would be like, you can't have an argument against bullets.
0: Yeah, like yeah. Uh, it's That's not true. an
2: argument I'm gonna win. So you want me to leave? I'm leaving.
0: Did he have the gun out already at that point? Did he pull the gun? I know he pulls the gun and Dimitri's pretty much dead. I mean, there's not a lot of, like, fucking around there. There's not a lot of standoff.
2: I mean, they have guns on them that you can obviously see, and they're riding up on horseback and not coming within, like, what, 15 feet, 20 feet of this temple? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'd just be like, all right. All right, yeah.
0: call, call me crazy, but a personal rule for me is anytime I'm somewhere where I recognize that I don't understand what's going on, if anyone rides out of anywhere on a <laughs> horse, I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm like, maybe I'm just like too beta for... Especially with a mean, gun like.
2: on their hip. No, I think that, yeah. that's a very smart decision, dude. Like, <laughs> right.
0: You're on a fucking horse with a gun? Yeah, fuck it. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm doing it, you know?
2: Dude's angry at me. He's yelling. He rode out of the jungle on a horse <clears> and he has a gun. Like... Mm-hmm. Let's see let's see what's going on here.
0: Yeah, we're going to ride this one out. See, oh. my, no, I,
1: my first thought when they rode out of the jungle, well, when we saw just the first man run out um with the horse, I was thinking, "Oh, he's protecting the archaeological site." That makes perfect sense. They don't want people right. to rob it. But then right. when he like escalated like how upset he was, that's when I was like, "Wait, there's something else going on here." <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's because, emotion, not you know, just, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's no tools anywhere. There's no packs. Like I'm guessing this lady was all alone with just this other dude. Like who does that? Who goes out like that yeah. all unprepared and alone?
0: Well, this and that is was bad. something I wanted to also that was something I also wanted to ask you Mel was like how conscious? obviously you guys are, are are very conscientious of this, but like where is the line with that with like, you know, um trying not to destroy while also trying to learn trying not to trample while also trying to tread you know what i mean like where yeah. is that line in in research where you're you know inquisitive and you want to learn more about this site but you also want to try to respect either local customs around it or respect it itself uh, you know There's always there's got to be a line there for the like, you know, search for more knowledge about a thing without destroying said thing in the process.
1: Yes. So essentially, archaeology is um, it's a destructive science, just the way it is. And that's only because once you excavate something, that's you disturb it. So it no longer is pure anymore, in a sense. So you need to record everything that you can with like an architecture feature like a Mayan temple. Um, it's a little different, but you still have to be you, conscious of everything that you're doing because you could harm it. Um, that's not something that I'm like an expert in because I've never worked with a temple or been yeah. in Mexico. But from like courses and things like that and people that I've spoken to, it is different, but you work with the local people. Like you don't just right. go willy nilly. Out into the wilderness right. and say, right. "I I claim this in the name of science." Okay, right? Because that's, that's not how it works.
0: And because, correct me if I'm wrong, but to us it's all science. But to them, it's it's their history, it's yes. their culture. There's so much more embroiled in that. And to us, it's just let me poke it and see what happens. And to them, they're like, "No, that kind of is important to us." Stop. Yeah, poking it, it's you know? it's
1: their heritage. It's the same thing, yeah. like you know, like like a gravesite that you care about because someone that you love is buried there. Mm -hmm. you know you have to kind of approach those things in the same way so whenever i watch films like this i'm just like oh god what are they gonna do are they gonna anger like the ancestors like what's gonna happen something something bad's gonna happen
0: well what we know is miracle grow run wild (laughs) ivy mimic ivy yeah um there's another avenue i want to get into before we talk about the actual plant because the actual plant is pretty fucking rad um but there's doctor guy early the boyfriend who I'd mentioned prior is obnoxious as hell as well they when the girl is getting drunk on the beach and trying to make out with the dude they just met which like they breezed right by that and it came up later and everybody just kind of looked at each other and I was like why is that like I understand that in this context right now you're worried about not getting eaten by a plant but like that should be a bigger deal anyway whatever Um, that moment on the beach when she's kind of being a little uninhibited with their new friend um the the girl the the other girl uh, amy says well she's just you know having a hard time because so and so i can't remember the the guy's name douchebag doctor dr douche uh he's he's going to medical school so right there they laid the groundwork that he's not a doctor yet yeah. and he's, he's not even in medical school yet he's moving away to go to medical school fast forward like an act and he's cutting somebody's legs off and carving worms out of a lady and, and like making backboards like this dude went on WebMD he was like <laughs> I, I want to be a doctor and then he went to the ruins and started playing doctor like I feel
2: he's the shittiest leader out of any of these right like every right. idea that he has is bad like oh Matthias is going down this hole and the rope broke what should I do you know what hey bro let's send your girlfriend down the hole yeah yeah
1: it was painful
2: (laughs) and she's like make choices yeah she's like oh i can't make it to the ground and he's like just
0: jump down it's like are you kidding me asshole as soon as that happened i'm like so now two people are going to be stuck down there are you going to expect her to like million dollar six million dollar man jump back up to the rope like how where how do you get out of this yeah it's exactly what
2: happened so now they got the dude with like the broken back down there and the uh stacy they got Stacy stuck down there. And so what's their next plan of action? You know what? Let's send Amy down there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have these yeah. two women, one of whom is injured now because she's screaming and telling us that it hurts. Let's have them lift this dude with a broken backup onto this like homemade duct tape stretcher to lift him yeah. up. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yo, Jeff, Eric, why don't one of you assholes go down there?
0: Well, and we're breezing right over one of the dumbest parts of this. We have to make him a backboard. We're going to move him onto this backboard. Then we're going to lift him out by rope out of this hole in the ground so that he's up here with us. Like none of that seems off to you. I mean, if he's got a, if he's in need of a backboard, I just don't know that all of that is worth doing right then and there. Somebody should have been like, let's all pump the brakes and try and figure this one out.
2: Well, I think St- but, does Isn't that when Stacy finds the, uh, the other dead body that's like entangled in the plant?
0: No, no, the first time they go down, Matias isn't down there anymore when they go down for the phone. You're oh, thinking hey, about yeah, the yeah, phone, yeah. yeah. Later in the film, they go back down because of the phone, and that's when our buddy Talking Plant makes an appearance. But before all that even.
2: Yeah, good choices um, from Dr. Web MD.
0: Yeah, Dr. Web MD is just, he's terrible. Mel, you, uh, you had something to say there. I, I heard you pick up a minute
2: oh
1: yeah well the, the phone is the reason they go down in the first place
0: right um, yeah.
1: but it's like oh the rope can't carry a big strong man but it can carry yeah. these women down that's just fine it's like well, what right.
2: <laughs> well not just that but then they carry the, the other dude back up yeah. on a stretcher
0: yeah made and out it, of fucking yeah. popsicle sticks and it's
2: like <laughs> you, the logic of these two guys is astoundingly bad they are selfish.
0: Well, and here's the thing. If he was really confident in his skills as a doctor, he would be the one that should go down there to get him on the backboard, right? Yep. Yeah. Like, and, uh, I mean, like, I feel like that's not unheard of. And you can't tell me that your friend with the curly hair and the two girls can't work the crank to raise and lower the rope
2: i mean like, it's a simple pulley system one person <laughs> yeah. using that system is able to like you'd be able to lift like twice your body weight
0: well not to mention the archaeologist went there right she was an archaeologist yeah. went there with just uh uh heinrich mm-hmm. the two of them and they got down and up somehow right so like well, i did get back up doing? well yeah that's true <laughs> they went down and not up um but like doctor guy right away he's like you won't be able to work the crank and it's like "Bruh, i think she's fine and i think that you're mr again you're mr med school like hop in the well dude but no and there are moments where like he says and does things that just make you want to go like slap him you know and one of the things i noticed though particularly is his ideas got worse by the like the more covered in the green mossy stuff he was and i i know that in the film that green mossy stuff is like indicative of the plant being on you and like you know um taking you a bit you know um as much as it's not the physical plant vines i know that they use that as like foreshadowing of like the depths that they're getting into in this you know environment right um because when they the, the first like day or two only certain people have that green mossy shit on them and like toward the end web md has it all over him and his ideas are just even more ridiculous that's when he starts going we're going to cut off his legs and that'll save him you know and shit uh, like that
2: oh uh, yeah. well, i i do like his his final decision like he knows the shit that's going to happen and he's still like you know what you play dead um mm-hmm. like amy just pretend to be dead. We're gonna go down there, and I'm gonna get you an opening. Like it's the only not selfish um, decision that he makes, which is it's ironic because it, it's selfish to like the world overall, because now yeah. this shit's getting out into the world, right? But yeah, he's he's terrible, terrible decision. He's an again, asshole.
0: It, yeah. Again, it's another bad idea, though, because Mister Doctor Man just unleashed this essentially virus you know on on everyone because he just you know couldn't listen to anyone else's point of view
1: and of all the people that should have understood the need for quarantine it was him
0: right right that's yes yeah well said mel yeah
1: (laughs) but he turns around and he's just like no fuck it
0: yeah, no, I want my girlfriend to live because I love her and stuff. Like, dude, what are you doing? You she know? cheated on you. Yeah, right. She was trying to sleep with Matthias. Jesus.
1: But um, there was something weird for the doctor, man, that I noticed. Like, it was right after they brought Matthias up and they had covered him. And it was like the next morning, specifically after they pulled the vine out of, oh, God, was it Stacy's leg? Yeah. Yep. Um <laughs> But um, afterwards, he, he, like, walked over to, like, the edge of the temple, like, the very top of it, and he looks over, and I can't remember if this is before they go down or after that moment, but he sees, like, a watch in the vines, and his face just kind of, just the look on his face from that moment on on in the film, it kind of just continued to get, like, more serious and kind of twisted. Yeah. And then you start to see his decisions change. And it's almost like the plants had like a psychedelic or psychological effect on him in some way. And And I wasn't sure like kind of like how that happened to him. But I like that you talked about how it changed his clothes. And that's kind of where I think the visual for that came in. Because he seemed to be affected more than everyone else.
0: Telepathic
2: space plants.
0: Yeah, it, well, I mean, Dan, and Mel is 100% right. I forgot had forgotten about the watch moment. It seemed like from that moment on, it was possessing him, a lot like, you know, uh, The Conjuring kind of films, you know, demonic possession kind of films. It seemed like...
1: They were working through him. Yeah,
0: yeah, that interaction with that corpse kind of infected him, and then he was almost making... And again, I may be giving it too much credit here, I I think it's a road that's worth exploring, though. Um, It was almost like he's making poorer and poorer decisions for the well-being of the plant to survive.
2: I I don't want to dismiss this idea because it's a a fun idea. But, I mean, we're talking about people who, after a night of heavy drinking on a beach (laughs) and sharing, like, a bottle of water over the course of two days. So, yeah you know, they're, they're all dehydrated as shit and they've all eaten like a quarter of a sandwich and like three grapes.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: That's, so, that's fair that's true. Fair. so nobody's making good decisions. Like the day they right. get there, you get to that afternoon, they're already in a bad spot.
0: Well, I mean, can we just, I'm hardly Bear grills, but can we just talk about the fact that they went on this journey to the ruins with like one bottle of water? Like the one girl brought her camera and that was it. You know, like, and you're flip flops. Eat your fucking camera. Yeah, and flip flops. Like,
2: I, I mean, to be fair, the way that it was, the way I felt it was explained, even though we didn't really hear, like, the full explanation, was that, you know, they know the people that are here. It's, it's like a 12 mile drive out and then, like, a 12 mile drive back. Mm hmm. To where it sounds like it's, yeah, this is like a two hour excursion. We're, gonna, we're just going to go down here, take a short hike, check out some ruins, come back. Um,
0: I would still bring more than one bottle of water for the whole group, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, that and would be a good decision. And I would decision. wear some
0: sneakers. I would wear sneakers. You know, like, but, but call the, me crazy, but I would throw out some, some Nikes or something.
2: But the only person who like, wasn't already in a bad state and like super hungover was the doctor.
1: Yeah, and he also yeah. was the one who wanted to go to these places before the group ever did, I believe. Yeah. Because they were, they were talking about it early on because it's like, oh... We, we tried to do this before, and it's like, no, let's go now.
0: Yeah, and, and remember, he tells uh, his girlfriend, he's like, you know, uh, what do you want to just take pictures of the beach and the resort and the beach and the resort and the beach, this is something you can go and take, you know, so he's definitely coaxing everyone into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's one other bit of this film, well, there's obviously the plant, but before we get to the plant, there's one other bit of this film that I wanted to talk about, and that was uh, the Amy scene with the cutting of the vines. I love Stacy. That Stacy. That's right. Amy is the obnoxious picture taker. Um Stacy. Stacy's legs got the vines going on. Um, that
2: scene, for all of its brutality was the most like openly human portrayal of a person in this whole
0: movie. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like and, and
0: the the spiral, you know, like
2: yeah, it's like people are like why would she why would she do that? Why would she do that? And it's like you have somebody who's been under this kind of psychological distress for days now, who hasn't really had anything to drink, who hasn't had anything to eat, who has seen these things invading her body and she wants them out. I'm like it's right. it's the one thing in this movie that like I can connect to, like I I understand this.
0: Yeah. The moment when you see it, when you see the vine on her forehead and everybody else sees it and she kind of picks up that they saw something right there, that vine in there, like that was a real sense of doom for the entire group because it was like, you just, you just cut this, this poor girl you know into ribbons to try to get rid of them and i mean she's saying i feel them in my head and you think she's just freaking out and then you see it and it's kind of yeah it's a heavy bit when she actually cuts into herself and she's standing there cutting herself that like desperation uh dan yeah you definitely put it put it well there it's it's very real that that feeling of desperation and and i i love when a film like this has those moments that um kind of feel you know uh super grounded and super real in a super unreal situation because um, I've you know I've never had a plant under my skin but immediately I'm looking at at Stacy standing there cutting herself up and I'm like I would probably lose my mind you know like yeah. I don't like when I have a splinter for more than 24 Ooh. hours never mind this you know?
2: yeah um, I think the actress's name is um, Laura Ramsey um, people can let me know on like Twitter or something if I'm wrong um she sells that whole scene yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's to me, the most powerful scene in basically any of these movies that we watched.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And it was like that coupled with, yeah, you can see the, the vines in her forehead and then you can see them again like on her back. And it's yeah. it's like, shit, dude. This poor girl. All she wanted was a couple pictures of the beach.
0: That's right. In the pool. Mel, you, uh, your thoughts on the... the- stacy carve scene the jack-o'-lantern stacy scene
1: so in most films it's like i don't have a lot of emotion for the characters when they're horror movies because it ramps up so quickly Mm. this one the way that she portrayed her character from like the first moment where she got like the cut and the vine crawled into her overnight until the scene where you you see her just, like, carving away at herself was right. torturous. I felt yeah. so bad for this girl.
0: Well, and she moves the entire story because everybody else is like, got their eyes closed, swinging in the dark at what to do. Yeah. Um, as much as she doesn't necessarily know what to do, she moves the whole story around along, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. She's the... She's all the exposition that the movie gets as far as what's going on because the vine is attracted to the blood, goes into her system, grows more vines. It's mimicking her. It's trying to draw her in. It's trying to destabilize her by making her hear things and on and on and on. Like, the the Stacey character is the the whole, all the, like, explanation of that scenario that, you know, you get in the film, which is interesting to me because everybody else is just kind of swinging wild. And her descent into, you know, madness and, you know, all of that, uh, you know, she plays that whole thing out, basically, to move the plot forward. But I do want to, we have to segue to Teresa soon. But I do (laughs) want to mention this fucking plant. This thing is cool. Mel, uh, my first viewing of of, uh, The Ruins was obviously a long time ago before I knew you. Upon my revisit of it, I was like, this is a Mel movie. Um, this vine with the mimic sounds and the, the supernatural element and the, like, kind of almost, you know, it's, it's almost like the tentacles of a, a worm or a, um, a parasite, you know? Um, I was like, this is something that Mel is going to love. What were your thoughts on, on the whole mimic plant in, the, in that situation in the ruins?
1: I thought that that plant was amazing. I loved, I just loved everything about it.
0: I, I don't need. You would. I don't
1: need to know where it comes from. I don't need right. to know why it's only on this temple. I don't need to know anything about it. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, for those um, of you unfamiliar, Mel is fascinated by the unknown. Where some people are afraid of the unknown, it's like that's what draws Mel in. And the less she understands about a thing, the more she's on board. You know,
1: I, I think it's because it's one of those few things that allows me to actually be scared of something. Um, When you make it like unknown and it has nothing to do with like humans or like something tangible when it's kind of cosmic or then it's something that like, you know, your mind can wander with because it truly is unknown in every sense of the word and you don't know how to fight it. So you can actually feel like the fear and the terror instead of just anxiety. Yeah, um, But the uh, plant itself, I thought, was really, really cool. I loved the way it was designed. And the flowers, I thought, were perfect. The fact that they mimicked sounds with their little, their oh, God, what are those things called? Like, You know, the little pollinator bits in the middle.
0: Yeah, isn't that a pistol?
1: Yeah, yes.
0: With an eye, with two eyes, yeah. Mm-hmm. The little pistols vibrating in there and going like, and yeah. making, oh, <laughs> my goodness.
1: And it was ringing like the cell phone. Like, it knew to mimic it. When- well,
0: and it knew to lure them down the the um, mm-hmm. into the hole because that's basically that's where the the plant has all of the power, right? That's where the plant is is king. Because I wish
1: they would have gone deeper.
0: Yeah, yeah well, that's hole- true. I mean, did it know to mimic them, or was it just
2: mimicking like sounds that it heard? Because there was a phone oh, down yeah. there that was broken, so they could, it could just be mimicking it, and mm-hmm. it's just like this unfortunate series of events for these people. Um, but yeah, everything that it mimics, it mimics like it feels like after it's heard it, maybe without so much like um this this higher intelligence, which I think makes it almost more grounded in reality and scarier.
0: You could be you could yeah. absolutely be right and I'm not saying that my theory is firm or or confirmed in the film, but I think it definitely. I think there's definitely signs of premeditation with the scene where uh, the her boyfriend, the guy with the curly hair, I can't remember his name, is comforting Amy, and Stacy comes out and thinks they're fooling around because she heard the plant mimicking something. And I feel like that shows premeditation because it's a destabilization of the group and the plant trying to separate them. But again, I'm you know sometimes with you know through through looking at these films with the intent of talking about them for an hour means you sometimes dig in a bit further than you really need to and i could be off the mark and it could be more just this is its natural biology and what it does um but i definitely felt like that scene was the plant trying to destabilize the group and and pull them away from each other and cause friction between them so that they wouldn't fight together but i you know again
1: I mean, I that just love the fact road. that when the plant tasted blood, it grew flowers.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting here like, oh, there's this is this is interesting. What's going to happen
0: next? So. Right, because we all know, you know, plants pollinate and then flower off of different things in the environment. So for this one to pollinate and flower off of blood is like that's a really cool concept. I'm yeah. sorry, Dan. Go ahead.
2: So my thought is like the whole plant is just one system like everything you see is one plant but they hear that ringing pretty early on so I'm not understanding why there weren't already flowers there because the flowers are what make the noise right
0: yeah yes. there were flowers in the well
1: mm-hmm where the bodies were
0: yeah there were flowers downstairs where the bodies were and there were a few flowers upstairs where they found Heinrich mm-hmm. that's right was- it,
2: w- it just went like boom and exploded everywhere
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's right it 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 had those pockets of flowers, but it wasn't. You know, later they confirmed. Okay, more blood, more flowers. You know what I mean.
2: The guys guarding it should have just got like a lot of like kerosene or gasoline or something and burned that shit.
0: Yeah. Well, right. h- I would have h- I would have picked the least popular villager and been like, "You climb up there and, and light it up." You
1: know. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, is that so when you have like the blood, the blood fed, fed the plant, right, and the plant was in a Mayan temple. It kind of goes back to, like, the the ideology of, like, pre-Columbian cultures where they did sacrifice. And for Maya, or the ancient Maya, it was blood. Blood was kind of like the all-powerful thing that fed the gods. So it kind of goes into that. So that could be why the local population was like, eh, no, we're just going to keep it with the temple. We're going to salt the earth, and we're just going to keep it from spreading because it could be – that there's part of that they could have been fearful of it or they it could have been sacred to them. We don't I like know. how they um,
2: they literally salted the earth.
1: Mhm.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean the ruins again definitely not the biggest offender on the list. I mean it's hard for anything to be the biggest offender on the list but the next film we're going <laughs> to talk about. But the next film we're going to talk about is just fucked up. But um I kind of I I have to say, uh, hostile, I get it. There's that, you know, um, there's, there's a definite, the, the core line between these films, hostile with the extreme violence and torture and things like that, of people who are abroad and acting the, in a way that is uh, not necessarily conducive to a good vacation. But um, The Ruins is bad decisions, things like that, and not understanding where you are. And I think it's a little more innocent I give the ruins a little more room because it's a little more innocent in their handling of things. It's, it's ignorance, but it's not as abrasive of an ignorance. It's not, well, fuck you and your temple. You know what I mean? It's yeah. more accidental and, and not realizing early enough that you're in a situation that you don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking, you know, everything. Cause like, you know, Dr. Webb MD thinks he knows everything and thinks he knows, has all the answers and blah, blah, blah. He can't fill it. Is, Let's cut off his legs right and he yeah oh god and he is the driving force like mel said earlier of them even going to the temple so it's the the um not as malicious but still ignorant um understanding of where you are and and what what's around you and so on and so forth with teristas, on the other hand Teristas is the movie that comes out and is like hey are you afraid of people who don't look like you we're gonna try and validate all those fears because this movie where hostile and the ruins do things to subvert tropes and try to avoid them at least in some way you know in the ruins the plant is the big bad not the people so they're trying to subvert that whole oh the locals are are hostile um Teristas takes all of those tropes and is just like confirmed, confirmed, confirmed and just hits you over the head with all these horrible horrible ideas. And so we're going to talk Teristas, Go ahead, Dan.
2: Right off the bat, <laughs> it's terrible Brazilian bus driver. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Um,
0: picking his nose, spitting out the window, <laughs> like it, driving like a lunatic.
2: Yeah, and yeah, you have Alex screaming at him. It's like, "Hey Alex, maybe Yeah, he's not driving well, but also, don't yell at the freaking driver, man. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean,
1: even before that, it has, like, the photos of the tourists and the photos of local people that look to be in a lot poorer situations than the tourists are. And it kind mm -hmm. of just opens up with that whole, here's the tourists and here's the people that they're exploiting.
0: Right. We're going to put them side by side so you really get the idea, you know, (laughs) like, but. The the moment on the bus when he's screaming at the bus driver and his sister says to him, um, "Oh, stop! You sound like a tourist." That right there is the whole film, and I, I can explain. <laughs> I have I have this is the only film that I really took any notes on, and that's because I love hate this film. Um, I, I enjoy it because I think it's it's a good horror film. It's got a lot of problematic elements to it, and if you don't look at it the right way, you fall into certain traps, and you may be convinced that everything outside of the good old U.S. Of a is out to steal your kidneys. But it, it's a it's a it's it's it succeeds in the horror, um, and I'm not dumb enough to think that Alex is the hero. I think that as much as the film sets Alex as the hero, that's just another trope. But we're going to get into that. But the first thing I wanted to talk about was. Right off the rip, huge spoilers, but whatever. Alex shows up. The The reason I say that scene in the bus is the whole film is because Alec, Alex shows up and he is afraid of everything. He's Mr. Don't drink the water, stay at the resort. We should have took the plane. We shouldn't be on the bus. Everyone's going to hurt us. He's like super cautious, super, super afraid of everything. And his sister is like, hey, bro, chill. We're just going to kind of go with the flow. And she's super laid back about everything. And right there, that's the entire film. Because in my opinion, the one theme that Teresa's hammers home is that you should be like Alex. So the one theme that the film really, in my opinion, is it's most unforgivable that the, the film really hammers this one theme home. And it's that you should be like Alex. Um, toward the end of the film, Alex survives. He saves people. He's, you know put up as mr hero um the only other people that survive and this isn't i don't think any coincidence it's his love interest who is also very uninhibited and very like you know she she mentions early in the film that she's just going to travel around and do the thing man she's like totally had a great experience doing this and so she learns to be more like alex and his sister who is again very uninhibited and survives by learning to be more like Alex. So the, the overall theme here is that you should be afraid of everything and that'll keep you alive because everything actually is out to get you. Um, top level thoughts, guys. What, what do you think of Teresa's?
2: Okay. Well, (laughs) it's it's my favorite of the three movies. That was a great pause.
0: That was a great pause. I'm sorry, Dan. Go ahead.
2: Like it's my favorite of the three movies. Um, but yeah, it's got so many problems, man. Um even just you know, like like I told you earlier, just Alex makes bad decisions or just straight up lies to people to try to get the outcome that he wants.
0: He makes Dr. Webb MD look like a hero. Yeah, he and and that's that's terrible. That's tough.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but he, like the point when they're sitting in cages. They have no idea what the hell's going on inside. You can only imagine what's going through their their minds. But they get out, and Alex turns to Liam and he's like, "Oh, we can't go in and get your brother. He's dead already." Like, yeah. how do you know, bro? You haven't seen yeah. in the house. You're in a freaking dog kennel. Everything. It's just, he. Um, what well, he attacks Kiko yeah. after Kiko oh, yeah. goes back to like save them. He's like, I'm going to punch you in your stapled shut head and try to drown you now because you saved right. us. You helped us right. out. Asshole. Right. Like, I'm going to let somebody he's, else talk because I'll just go on about Alex for an hour.
0: Alex is definitely Alex is a motivator of a lot of the like problems, but he's also he's another great example of not reacting correctly um, throughout the whole film. Uh, you know, he he just one wrong turn after another and like you know, the moments where he should have been cautious, he's not. And the moments where he should, like, shut the fuck up, he doesn't. Because when Kiko's like, we're going to go to my uncle's house up this mountain through this weird cave, right then and there, I mean, cautious would make you go, no, let's not go deeper into the unknown. Let's just get somewhere safe. We don't even have our fucking passports. You know what I mean? Like, but instead then he's like, yeah, let's go. I'm, I'm like kind of into this Australian girl and I want to see where it takes us. So, like, fuck all that caution stuff.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. If I'm hanging out with a bunch of people in a place I don't know and we're hiking to some dude's uncle's house who, you know, I also don't knew, know this dude. And we're like halfway through the journey and he turns back to me. He's like, you know what? We should probably head back to the town.
0: Right. Cautious I'm, would be like, right on. Okay. Back it, to the town.
2: Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to say, screw you, dude. We're going to this house. <laughs> like,
0: But because layered in with his caution. And I'm sorry, Mel. I
1: oh, no, you're good. Keep railroading. You, Poor just, you just uh, finish your thought.
0: Layered in with his caution is a level of like, you know, having no fucking clue what he's doing. You know, layered in there with the caution is total like ignorance and stupidity, on, in, in my opinion. Alex is a terrible character. Well, it's, it's, could,
2: he's confident in his ignorance, which is yeah. even worse. If he was like, yeah. I don't know what I don't know, that would be fine. But he's like, I know exactly what's going on here.
0: Right. He's like, I'm dumb and, and I love it.
2: <laughs> and, and what I know is going on is that you guys don't know anything
0: yeah. <laughs> listen to me I know what's up Yeah. why is it always an uncle too <laughs> why, why when they're going to take you to the creepy mansion is it always an uncle I mean like, as an uncle I feel like that's an affront to uncles it's, everywhere it's
1: just far enough removed from your immediate lineage that you can like feign ignorance about certain oh. aspects of them so it's like oh what does he do for a living? I don't know. He's just always been rich.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, he can't say, well, I'm going to take you to the uh, <laughs> the organ harvesting surgeon's house. Yeah, That's yeah. far enough in the country that nobody hears the screams. Uh, I just
0: think it's funny that it's like, I got an uncle. He's rich. How's he rich? I don't know. He's just rich. It's like, what? <laughs> like, this is weird. But Mel, uh, I got it. I got it. The the cold open the like what are your first fresh thoughts of Taristas?
1: Uh, I feel like the dog in the beginning of the film really sums up my feelings for this movie. Yeah. The one that's just Damn. kind of like laying there on the side of the road, and the bus nearly like careens into it, and the dog's just like whatever. Um, that's kind right. of how I felt through a lot of this movie because I felt nothing for the characters, but that's okay. Yeah, Most of them were terrible people. Um, I do hate that Alex was kind of portrayed as the hero in the movie because I felt more like the Prue girl, who the Australian love interest lady who spoke Portuguese, who like went up and stopped the picture taking like, hey, what are you doing? She tried to de-escalate situations. I felt like she was more in line with making better decisions. Right. Um. But she never really, I think, got, like, a chance to shine in the movie because Alex just stole everything.
0: And they didn't, like, if you look at a movie like You're Next, where they put a lot of effort into, <clears throat> excuse me, they put a lot of effort into um, making the the final girl the main character, I can't remember her name for the life of me now, but making her be... The like rise to the occasion badass because she's just she's comfortable in this awkward and and maybe out there situation. If they had done something like that with the Australian character, it would have been different. But instead, she comes to the table with all of this like knowledge of traveling the world, and as you said, understanding local cultures, speaking the language, and all of that, but is still. Uh, essentially like relegated to a bag on the hip of Hero Guy Alex, which is fucking bullshit because Hero Guy Alex would die 10 minutes in in this situation because you know that that kind of bullshit would just blow up in his face. And instead, he's rewarded for his uh, fear of, of the locals, his his constant worrying, his constant caution and bullshit. He's rewarded for his terrible take on the entire situation, whereas... The Australian girl should have been propelled to more than just a fucking you know uh the the Jane to Alex's Tarzan, you know um you yeah know, I, I don't know it makes me angry
2: you guys are both against me on this, but I think the sister's the hero doesn't this, like the sister saves herself at the in the cave at the end, right isn't that the sister she like drops her flashlight she's just sitting there in the dark and she watches as that um The guy from the surgery team, for lack of a better term, like, she sees the light. She sees him coming up. He breaks the surface. He's breathing heavy because he's been underwater for, like, two minutes. And she takes, like, the arrow away from him and, like, jams it into his neck twice. I don't know. But, like, the Australian girl disappears for, like, a third of the movie.
0: Yeah, because and they can't have her there. I don't know for about you guys, because she's too important. She's she's too capable. Like she has That's way right? too much agency, you know. <laughs> so they can't have her around. She might do something good and then not be just a bag on the hip of Hero Man, Alex. You know.
2: I don't know. I, I think it's cool that there's not like a clear like this is the person who is right.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
2: I think they try they try to show Alex as being the hero, and it even goes so far as to like at the end of the movie they're like the The other couple is behind the mm-hmm. brother and sister and they're talking about how, oh, you know, we wanted to see the country, we should have taken the bus, and the brother's like, don't take the bus. Like, all right. of these fears are justified, and it's like, dude, you suck.
0: Yeah,
1: right. I think that sums <laughs> right. it up pretty well. All of your fears are justified, and that's probably why I was just like, this movie sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Mel, yeah, to be fair, uh, you know, it was something that I was talking with Dan, I was chatting briefly with Dan about, and it's the idea that this movie sets out with all of those ridiculous fears and cautions and things like that. And, and that are rooted in, in, you know, xenophobia again, I hate to keep using that word, but that's what they're rooted in. Um, all of that, the, the, the main, like, Oh, and I hate to even use the word success, but the main success of the film is confirming all of those negative traits and negative thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, When he's walking to the plane in the scene that Dan just described, he's the grizzled, I've been there, I've seen it guy who's like, trust me, take the plane. And it's like, dude, that's not the takeaway from this. Like, you ran into some particularly bad people. Like, but that doesn't mean, you know, you can confirm that all people here are bad thing. I I I mean,
1: like, there were clearly people in that film that had, that did not, that they were not helping aid in the black market organ stealing.
2: I mean, there were a lot that were benefiting off of it.
1: Oh, yes, yes. But they still weren't benefiting a lot. Like, that was another stark contrast that I saw. It was like, the man that's doing this, because he wants to get back at the people that have exploited the local local people, him, his family, Mm -hmm. is making all this money, off of this. And yet all yeah. the people in the village are still not benefiting from it. He is clearly. Look at his house.
0: Yeah, right. He's but, got the biggest house in the world.
1: Uh, yeah, there. but all these people aren't. But they're still just going along with it. Is it because of fear? Is it because of like the security he provides? It doesn't really go into that, but it like when he explained his reasonings for it, it just it just fell off. Like it was like well, so Okay. I mean,
2: I'd say that a lot of it was fear because you see, yeah, what pretty pretty early on when they take the uh, the Swedish couple and both of them end up dead, mm-hmm. and the surgeon is is telling them that you know we need living people and there's that the argument that goes down and then the surgeon like stabs the dude in the eye and then mm-hmm. pushes it down to his brain. There's definitely that that element for the other people in that village because they were dude they were like right in the middle of that village.
0: Yeah, they were right in public when that that all takes place. Yeah, that surgeon
2: did not care who saw him do it. It, It's like he wanted them to see how brutal and just violent he could be. So, all these other, like, normal people who were, you know, they they aren't making a lot of money. They're probably struggling. They don't have that, like, the level of courage that people might say, oh, I I wouldn't let that happen. Well, most of the time. you would
0: yeah you would
2: yeah you would be just as in fear of that situation as anybody else it's like oh am i gonna piss this dude off and he's gonna come back later and like take out my wife or or take out my kids like right they have that he's he's basically the king of this village out of just sheer fear and like fear of him and his brutal violence
0: yeah and his squad his goon squad too Because you you get the impression right away of that. Like all the baddies in that town have been recruited to his his squad. So he's got reach, you know. Um, One of the things I wanted to bring up here, and here we go again, but Cannibal Holocaust. Um, The thing with this film it's very similar in, in my opinion in, in the, the, uh, where it trips and stumbles over itself to cannibal Holocaust because in cannibal Holocaust, like, you know, the big story is it's a sensationalist film criticizing sensationalist film, but it goes too far to the sensationalist side to actually be a criticism and just becomes one of the same. And I think that his, uh, the doctor guys, uh, speech about, um, you know, harvesting organs to get back at somebody and all of that. Like, they try to make it make sense, but they end up just making it even more leaned into a, a, um, you know, locals bad, Brazilians bad. You know what I mean? Like, instead of it being a commentary, he says, oh, you know, you tourists come here and you do this and do that and blah, 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 blah. And he has a point to make about how people act when they're in their country um, visiting and and the disrespect that's shown um, but instead of like towing up to that line in a way that provides a commentary on it they tow up to it and then they take a header straight to the other side of it and they're like so we're gonna kill every you know American tourist and harvest their organs and like it goes it, it just gets right up to that line of oh they have a point here and they blew it you know but
2: well, after seeing him murder somebody that you assume is also from Brazil, it's like your yeah. point doesn't – it's not a point. It, right. It's and a you, lie. You're,
0: and you're building a giant mansion. You're not feeding the, the people of the mm-hmm. town. They're living in – they're still being shown living in squalor. You know what I mean? So you're yeah. not like Robin Hood here. You know what I mean? Like you fucked that up. But, um
1: the way that he treats the indigenous man, uh, yeah. I'm not sure like – like who he's supposed to represent other than just a native person from the region. Right. And just the fact that he treats him like dirt just further shows that what he's doing, he says it's for one reason, but really it's not.
2: Right. Well, I think part of that is so they could have that dude turn on the, or turn on him at the end of the movie. Which is. But still,
0: when you're scripting all that out, yeah. you're building these layers. And if you're trying to provide a commentary, you have to be cognizant of not then trampling all over it with the, the next scene or whatever. Yeah. You know, like. But so we see that yeah. kind
1: of behavior here in the United States with like, you know, you Native kidding. Americans and stuff. So I feel like it was something that was easy enough to put in the film that people that we would all kind of go, oh. And we'd get it, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Dan brought up the Swedish tourists. And I did really want to make a note here on them. What I thought was really interesting is, have you noticed that these films seem to always have a harbinger? And for anyone listening, maybe that's not following me, a harbinger is the, uh, the crazy Ralph from Friday the 13th that goes, don't go up there. It's doomed. It's got a death curse. You know, um, that, that actually was a pretty good crazy Ralph there for a second. Anyway. Um, the harbinger in a lot of these films is someone and it's really interesting the way this has to be a part of it it's someone white but it's someone who is not american white it's always uh we're from paris oh we're from amsterdam oh we're from sweden you know and it's another tourist who looks like you but is still different and is usually you know drinking hand saying everything's great here and it's not the harbinger in the respect that it's not telling you get away, stay out. It's terrible. It's the the person making you feel comfortable. It's a, a signal beacon to make the other white tourists go, hey, look, guy who looks like me is having a drink and enjoying life. Let's all get fucked up. You know what I mean? Um, so where Crazy Ralph is like, you know, lets you know that some lets the viewer know that something is wrong in the uh, camp. The kids all kind of go. You're crazy, and they go to the camp. You know, it makes them comfortable to go to the camp. You're nuts.
2: Yeah, you, um, you have that in all three of these movies. Um, I don't remember the guy's name, Alexi? but yep. called me Alex in in Hostel. He's like, you know, I'm basically the same as you. I want drugs and I want women. This is how you get it. Um, in the Ruins, it's the uh, what the Greek. Is it the yep. group of Greek
0: guys, Dimitri? Mm-hmm. Dimitri. Yeah,
2: the they play that part there. And then the Swedish people in, um, in Tarista's, and I just feel bad for them. Oh, like yeah. they're the only people that I really feel bad for the other people. I blame for stuff, but the Swedish people are like, nah, we've been here like a week or two and we're just having fun. And then the next day dead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, they got too close to Alex. So they were doomed because they weren't ultimately part of Alex's um, triumph plan, which yeah. is I saved my sister and this girl that I'm kind of into. But um, yeah, Mel, uh, how do you feel about the um, looks a lot like me, but isn't like me must be okay kind of vibe to I mean, there's something to be said for as soon as you install that character there, you're not just um, playing into some negative tropes. You're kind of like reaffirming them because you're saying, hey, look, we don't have friction with this guy, this guy who is foreign to me but looks like me we just have friction with those guys who are foreign to me and don't look like me
1: yeah it's like those it's those subtle things that kind of get instilled in like a society that you don't you don't think about until like it's picked apart um or displayed openly like in a film that's critiquing it in a way to where it's like oh yeah you can trust these people they um they kind of speak english they speak enough english they look enough like you they're familiar enough with your ways to where you can kind of get along and have like a light chuckle when you both make a faux pas, but they're the same enough.
0: Right. Similar enough to be like, you're like me. Cool. Yeah. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. But it,
1: but there's it enough stands... otherness that it, kind right. of, it leaves like that little element of like, Oh, you know, maybe, maybe I'll offend them. Maybe I'll make like a small like mistake, but right. we're close enough to where it'll be okay. Oh
0: and and in all of that maybe the goal there is to show that hey look they don't have a problem with other types of people um if that is the goal they miss the mark horribly because it always ends up highlighting you know things like race or or in some films religion or uh cultural background or you know geographical location etc but yeah
2: yeah like all of the movies highlight like this is the maximum amount of differences for me that a person can be that I will still trust them.
0: Right, right. That's well said. Exactly. This is the absolute most difference I can deal with. You know, yeah.
2: And it's,
1: it's really shitty when you actually say it because you're like, oh, yeah, no, I see it. Right. I see that in a lot of things other than horror films. So it's like, yeah. oh, man. Yep. Yep. 100%. There it is.
0: Well... You know, um, we've gone well over what time allotment I uh, had you guys commit to. But to kind of close out the Teresa's loop here, I just, again, want to note that as much as I enjoy this movie, I enjoy it on the same plane as other problematic films because there's a lot going on there. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it's an early 2000s film. I think that for some reason in the early 2000s, We had this really weird, America great, everywhere else scary, and um, we're going to show you all the grimy, gory bits of why it's scary. There's this weird intersection of the so-called torture porn horror and, uh, you know, stranger in a strange land, traveler abroad horror, and it all kind of exists in this like five year span between like, you know, well, somewhere there in between 2000 and 2010, um, is really where it all takes place. But it's a couple of years there where just every film that was coming out was like, don't go on vacation, otherwise you're fucked. Um, I think it makes for a great topic for us to talk about while we're uh, not all, all not on vacation. Um, and I think that these films, they really do a great... One thing that they do great is they cause you to think. And if you're looking at them in this sort of critical way... Uh, It makes you think about things that then stick with you. And the next time you watch one of these types of films, you identify these things quicker and quicker. And it's almost like flexing a muscle on, you know, understanding these tropes and understanding these, um, you know, problematic kind of bits of subtext um even down to i think the the swedish travelers is a perfect example of that because it really is a bit of subtext and that subtext exists everywhere it exists in marketing it, it, it exists on television in film in music and everything um and those little notes that either are intentional or unintentional but highlight some of those problems are really important to to pay attention to um so that being my last thoughts i just wanted to send it around the table uh Dan do you have any last thoughts on vacations gone wrong?
2: yeah, travel everywhere have fun that's get, right. Get outside your damn bubble you know experience other cultures and other like other people like I live in Kansas I've been to a few different countries now. I've been all over the United States and it's you know it's nice to see what you're maybe not like super comfortable in like growing up with you know seeing how other people live um seeing how other people think about things that's kind of all i have
0: (laughs) no that's well said dan you know the idea being you know getting out there and getting outside of your comfort zone while maintaining some level of tact and understanding that you're the you're the outsider there you're the guest you know i think that's yeah that's a hell of a takeaway mel what do you got for us
1: um I can only agree wholeheartedly with what Dan and you both have said so far. It's just um, the only thing I'd add to is when you go someplace, just don't carry any assumptions with you. Be yourself and recognize that you're gonna make a mistake. Um, Just respond to that the same way you'd want someone to respond to you. Yep. And have a good time. Don't just go for drugs and ladies
0: yeah drugs alex yeah don't be an alex don't go for the drugs and ladies right yeah uh i i want to thank you both for hanging out with me on this one um these bonus episodes are usually uh, a topic that's a little bit more of a deeper dive and and they're always going to have a bunch of um guests on and and so for this one having two of my my close friends sit here and and pick apart these horror films has been a really good time so uh i want to thank both dan and mel for your time and uh for hanging out and uh to the citizens of creep city you can follow us all on the socials um you know you can follow dan at shifty samurai on twitter you can follow mel at mel zombie with just an eye on the end she's going the italian zombie way um mel actually is there a reason for the italian zombie in there
1: <laughs> um not really <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. Um, just,
1: actually, I had an earlier username that was like a festival zombie, so zombie fest, but I hated the extra E. Um, but then Rob Zombie had, I believe it was Rob Zombie, had a festival and they actually called it zombie fest. So I got rid of that Twitter handle because I was tagged in a lot of stuff. And oh, just zombie. right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not well, fun it, at all.
0: Well, you know, from now on, you, should, you could also just tell people if you want to like dodge it and just say, yeah, I'm a big fan of like the you know, original Fulci zombie film. And, uh, you know, the Italian spelling is just with an eye at the end. So, uh, you know, get culture nerds. Um,
1: <laughs> it's just going to give me some horror cred.
0: Yeah, there you go. I mean, not uh, now. Cause <laughs> we did. Yeah. we ruined that. We're, we'll edit this, that out.
1: Let's <laughs> cut this from the record.
0: <laughs> um, so follow Dan at shifty samurai, follow Mel at Mel zombie. And, uh, you know where to find radio for the creeps at radio creeps on social. And, um, if, if if you heard something in this episode that you want to talk to us about, by all means, hit us up and keep the conversation going. Um, part of the criticism of films like this is not that anyone has the end-all, be-all. Um, there's no, at least not at this table, we're not scholars on horror and we're not going to sit here and tell you how to think. It's a conversation that needs to be ongoing. So by all means, hit us up, let us know what the deal is, and uh, if you've got more to say, send it our way. Take care, everybody.
2: And we're clear. <laughs>